0: Fake, fake, fakety-fake.
1: Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienna, And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about being trucked up with my friend Vienno.
2: Truck yeah, brother.
1: How are you, truck friend? <laughs>
2: <laughs> is truck friend the gender-neutral trucker?
1: <laughs> yes, yes it is. I hope you appreciate
2: it. True. Yeah, because Trucker is notably gendered.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you throw around Truck Brother all the time, we gotta truck friend it up, you know? Make sure it's inclusive. Mm
2: -hmm. Truck sibling. Yeah. I'm okay. It's a later night record than usual, so that'll be interesting. Um, I have already taken a melatonin, so we are in a race against time. How are you? I'm fine. I'm I'm also tired. I... Did an
1: interview earlier with uh, Tony, who used to run the Twitter account for, or didn't run, but was a part of the Twitter account at Yellow Vest Canada Exposed, and we interviewed him because he was on the ground in Ottawa. So that'll be coming up, but uh, so that means that our record, just you and I, should be relatively short this week before we get into the interview. So uh, we might as well uh, just get right to it since we're both uh, falling asleep. (laughs) You can't fall asleep, though. You got to pump that energy up, you know?
2: Oh, yeah. I'm always the highest energy.
0: Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a
1: weirdo. So we are going to cover the week of January 24th to January 28th. I should highlight right up front uh, something that everyone probably already knows, which is that there was a truck convoy that happened. <laughs>
0: <gasps>
1: I know, su- like shocker, right? Surprising. Uh, no, one, no one knows of it existing, you know?
2: Now this, of course- uh... What a trucking surprise.
1: <laughs> oh, there's going to be too many truck puns tonight. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not even going to be puns. It's just going to be the word truck added to a sentence.
1: <laughs> Dear Lord. So, I mean, everyone probably already knows this by now, but uh, there was this truck convoy, and it started last weekend, uh, so the weekend of the 23rd, and it left Vancouver, I guess? Well, the idea was like, you know, of course, Canada, they wanted to meet in Ottawa, which is more off the center of, of the country, and so, like, you had people coming from the East Coast and the West Coast and Quebec and all this fun stuff, but uh, the twenty third was supposed to be the initial like launching of the Vancouver branch of the uh, so called truck convoy, and what they were protesting was a mandate put in place s- saying that uh, truckers needed needed to be vaccinated, and this actually was largely the response uh, of the Trudeau administration. Uh, reacting to the fact that this, this was something that was also implemented by the Biden administration in terms of uh, having truckers be vaccinated as they cross the Canadian-American border. Which is why, even from the beginning of this protest, I guess you want to call it?
2: Uh, this glorious freedom movement?
1: Right, this glorious freedom movement. There's no way for them to be effective. Uh, because, for one, I don't think Trudeau is going to budge. And two, I don't think Biden cares about truckers in Canada.
2: I don't think Biden cares about independent contract truckers and their car driving supporters.
1: True. And we should say, obviously, this is not uh, we're going to use the general term trucker, but this does not apply to all truckers. In fact, these uh, these truckers
2: are a small minority I mean, if we're celebrating the truckers, then we mean it generally. Yeah. <laughs> if we're saying truck yeah, brother, we're talking to you, truckers out there.
1: Exactly. Solidarity with the with the cool truckers. There was, like, what was the point going around? I think a lot of people were sharing that, like, 90% of the truckers are vaccinated. And that's true, but that doesn't give you necessarily a picture of how many of people who are truckers actually support the protest. But... Uh, yeah it definitely shows that at least 90% of them are vaccinated. So those affected by this mandate are 10% of truckers. And even then some of them might be getting vaccinated now that this is passed, but then the, any shortfall that occurs, uh, I saw that they're already uh, trying to, to hire more truckers in in terms of fixing the supposed supply chain collapse that is going to come from this uh, 10% of truckers that are supposedly going to lose their jobs. So, Largely, this is all a nothing burger that has been turned into a right-wing, propagandistic tool to fundraise off of. Woohoo! Which is where Ezra comes in. So, you know, there's a big grifting opportunity. There's a huge truck convoy. And, of course, that means that Rebel News has to get involved. So this entire week of Rebel content is solely dedicated to the truck convoy. So that means guests the only out-of-house out of, out of house guest, which is not even really an out-of-house guest, is Andrew Lawton, who used to be a Rebel News employee but is now uh, works for True North, but uh, gets basically interviewed by Rebel uh, once uh, a week usually. So all the rest of the people interviewed are just crew members who are doing something with the convoy. And every opening piece by Ezra is a piece about the convoy. So this week should go by relatively quick, because there's only so much that you could say about a truck convoy, and we're, <laughs> we're pretty much going to cover all of it. So, we begin January 24th, and Ezra's main complaint right off the get-go is that on Monday, the media is trying to claim that the convoy is an extension of the WEGZIT movement. Now, I don't know that the media writ large was saying this, but the only thing that Ezra cites... Is a single tweet by Gerald Butts, who is Trudeau's friend. I don't even think he's involved in the Liberal government anymore. And Gerald Butts, in a tweet, referred to both Pat King and Tamara Lich, who are both uh, high up there organizers of this movement. Both of them have been associated with Wexit. So we've talked about Pat yeah. King on the show as being like a Wexeter. and Tamara Lich is not familiar maybe to just the uh, people who solely listen to our podcast. We've never talked about her, but she's a member of the Maverick party of Alberta. So yes.
2: <laughs> she's the secretary of the Maverick party.
1: Right. I believe she ran as a candidate too. So
2: yeah, but like also in the Maverick is the federal party. So I don't think it's just the like Albert cause the Alberta, it's the Western independence party. And apparently like Pat King has gone so far out the deep end that, like, the mainstream, so to speak, Wexeter people <laughs> have, like, distanced themselves from him, which is hilarious. Like, how far down that rabbit hole do you have to be for the Wexiteers to distance themselves from you? It's not only the, the, Wexit,
1: the Wexiters, but, like, Ezra has distanced himself from Pat King. So, so Pat King was, like, the only COVID person that Ezra has, like, done a debunk piece on. I-, I believe we talked about it on the podcast. Basically, Pat King, like, got the judge to say something in a court case that was just, like, we need more information or something like this, and Pat King took it as, like, this means that COVID's not real, and a judge said so. Oh, yes. <laughs> so so even Ezra has, like, criticized Pat King. But, like, Pat King also has, like, engaged in Holocaust denial, uh engaged in white genocide theory like he's all around just a shitty human being yeah and you can tell here so even so people know there was a gofundme i think now it's up to like 9 million dollars for these truckers but it's not clear how the money is going to be like fed out to the truckers or they're like working with gofundme now to sort of like figure that i i talked a bit about uh with tony about that but even on like the gofundme page tamara is listed on it but pat king is yeah. not even though pat king is associated and he said that he wasn't for pr reasons
2: (laughs) that checks out they're gonna buy a truck themed nft uh a truck themed line of nfts and that's where the gofundme money's gonna go that's my guess right now is that the money laundering gofundme is gonna go into the money laundering nfts
1: and they got it's the acronym is already to go for them they're non-fungible trucks (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> These trucks cannot be re- reduced for sale.
1: They're one of a kind.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah, so Gerald Butts mentions Pat King and
1: Lich in a tweet. And of course, Ezra at this point on Monday does not like talks about Gerald Butts Gerald trying to associate the truck convoy with Wexit, but doesn't name Pat King or Lich at this point. That's all we get on the, the beginning part of the show. Ezra then also mentions the fact that the Canadian Trucker Alliance, so they're kind of like the the industry group that sort of like deals with the trucks. They, they put out a statement against the convoy, and he responds to this statement by saying they basically get their funds for their publications through the media bailout, and so therefore they're the liberal government and they can't be trusted.
2: Everything is the liberal government,
1: yeah. If you get government money right now, Ezra thinks you're a part of the liberal government. That's usually how it goes. Or at least you're, you're bought by the Liberal government, I think, is the more charitable
2: way of, of putting it. I got Serb. I'm I'm a registered Liberal Party member now. It's like I'm listening to Trudeau. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 so the, the one thing that I want to say, though, about the, the CTA statement is that their messaging is mostly that the convoy is going to be obstructing traffic. And that is something that the Canadian Trucker Alliance is strictly against. So it's like funny that like a lot of people were citing that the industry groups are against the convoy. But it seemed like they weren't against what they were protesting, but were against the fact that they're protesting was doing something that was strictly forbid for like for they forbid it in the rules. You know what I mean? Mm hmm so it's like you would think that like that would be your opportunity to try to spin it in a certain way but of course Ezra just goes with the fact that they're like paid off by the liberals or something I also I also wanted to mention that like we talked about obstructing traffic last week (laughs) and Ezra came out against it like clearly against it obstructing traffic bad and here he is the next week promoting it in the form of this truck convoy so
2: there you go true true truck (laughs) (laughs) True.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ezra then interviews Sheila and Adam about the convoy. So Adam Sue, Sheila Gunreed, reed uh, members of the Rebel team. And, you know, Adam says absolutely nothing, so we're just going to ignore him. But uh, the main takeaway from Sheila is that the government was purposefully stalling the convoy by getting truckers to weigh their loads on the highway. So, like, I'm sure everyone has seen on the side of the highway, there's, like, these... Uh, Pit stops where trucks uh, weigh their load, and it's supposed to make sure that they're not like uh, carrying too much or carrying anything illegal, etc. And it's a normal process, but like this conspiracy theory is starting to like percolate that somehow the government was getting the truckers to pull over on purpose to like slow down the convoy. And they all seemed to make it uh, to Ottawa on time, so if this was really the
2: government's plan, they kind of like failed. They could have just done one checkpoint on the Trans Canada Highway, literally anything, anywhere along the line, and stopped it there if they felt like they were, if they wanted to stop it. Like
1: nope, they uh, they got them yeah. to weigh their loads, and that is that was the sign the government was from the get go trying to sabotage their mission. <sighs> God sheila also admits that most truckers don't own the rigs and so this was her excuse for why there didn't seem to be a lot of trucks in the convoy and so she's like rather than take the rigs uh truckers were just taking their pickup trucks because they at least owned them uh and the fact that they were driving pickup trucks as well meant that they were working class
2: true yeah
1: trucks are pretty damn expensive like not to say working class people can't own trucks and to be able to take you know a week off work to drive all the way across the country to stay in ottawa indefinitely until they overturn a mandate they can't possibly overturn
2: it's not likely that these people are working class in my opinion i'm just looking up the price of a ford f450 (laughs) oh fuck i'm on the american website it's not letting me
1: you can get them as a working class person. Like my dad owns a truck, but he also uh uses it for work purposes. It's not a a,
2: a fancy joyriding truck that he takes halfway across the country. Yeah, honestly they're not as expensive as I thought they'd be. Expensive or ones like the F450 or like 90,000 maybe if you're getting a lot of bells and whistles attached. But also like yeah, and but that's what I meant like by my earlier comments too about like independent contractor types because it's like you know these are the type types who like you know you could haul you could hire to like haul away a like flat full of garbage or whatever and like you know yes they're technically truckers and perhaps on occasion they might cross the border but like for the most part they're just people who they're just small business people to put it simply like yeah. They're just the types that are like, oh, wow, I need to be able to do what I want at all times because I'm a small business person.
1: Well, Ezra does not perceive them as small business people. Ezra sees them as like super independent minded
2: people who, uh, you know, they're wise in their isolation. (laughs) All that trucking gives them time to think.
0: You know, it, it's true. I've talked about how being a long-haul trucker in some ways it's as reclusive as being a lighthouse keeper when you think about <laughs> yeah. it. But it's not just that. Uh, I think there's a tradition of truckers to listen to talk radio, maybe call in, mm-hmm. to banter on the CBs. And I find that people who are by themselves in the truck or in a farm equipment, they think about things. They maybe oh, listen yeah. to the radio more than most folks listen to talk mm-hmm. radio. They have opinions about mm-hmm. things. And I think that they're going to be more independent minded and probably better informed than just some, you know, uh, desk bureaucrat who's part of a union that immediately surrendered and, well, I just got to do it. So I think it's wonderful that these truckers, as Orwell said in 1984, if there is any hope, it's the proles. That was his nickname for the mm-hmm. proletariat. Not the fancy people in Toronto who couldn't wait to tweet a picture of how many masks they wore uh you know yeah. to keep up with the joneses if there's any hope it's with the proles
1: what is with is his comment about the desk bureaucrat who like succumbed to the union or something?
2: <laughs> my my real question was what was that brief aside about farm equipment operators or something i don't know <laughs> yeah. They're, you know, it's that long
1: isolation on the road. You're just, you got nothing but talk radio. Of course, every single trucker listens to talk radio. None of them listens to like music. They're just smart, independent thinkers. You know.
2: Yeah, they call into. Fuck what that what's that dude who died's name?
1: Was the dude from nineteen eighty four? Oh, Rush Limbaugh.
2: <laughs> no. Yeah. You know, they call into Rush and they they give it. They have a little chat with him and then. They're, they're so independent-minded, you know? Listening to the most popular radio shows that exist.
1: And then regurgitating their talking points.
2: Yeah. And they're so independent that they all do the same thing.
1: <laughs> I am impressed, though, that, like, Ezra knew that Winston Smith from 1984 was a trucker. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a well-known fact, you know? That's how, that's how he knew so much about Oceania. <laughs>
2: He trucked over there from Britain.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. So that's the end of the main show. And during, uh, during the mailbag segment, someone writes in saying uh, they're happy the truck convoy is actually being covered in the media. And Ezra reflects that this is neutral coverage right now, but that it's only a matter of time before they start to smear all the truckers as racists. And then he also claims that uh, that would be the wrong thing to do. Because one of the main organizers is a young Métis woman. An unnamed young Métis woman? As of yet, at at this point in the show timeline, as yet unnamed. But we know her as Tamara Lich. She is apparently a young Métis woman. Didn't you know, Vienna? I did not. Now, I I don't care to test that knowledge, but she claims she's Métis, and we will just accept that. It's it's more of the fact of him using it as, like, this convoy can't be racist because Métis present. That is actually kind of gross. Yeah. Another writer in the mailbag segment uh, basically calls for a general strike. Like, they didn't say general strike, but the way they wrote, they were basically calling for one. And Ezra responds kind of neutral to the idea, but then he, he mentions the rail blockades that occurred back when uh, people were protesting through Wet'suwet'en, RCMP invasion on Wet'suwet'en land. One of the earlier times that happened, I guess, <laughs> to, to clarify. Yeah. And Quasi mentions how successful they were, actually, in that they actually did disrupt uh, supply lines by blocking the railroads. But then he insists that Canadians won't go for something uh, too disruptive. I want to say now, though, and and... I know Ezra has a team there. There's a place in Alberta that we're likely going to talk about next week. Couts Alberta? I can't remember the exact name. But they're currently blocking the border from America to Canada, and no trucks can get across. And there's truckers stranded in America without food because the truckers in Canada have blocked that crossover. And Ezra has a reporter there, Kian too to to cover these truckers supportively. So, you know, he's he's apparently against things being too disruptive, but he's okay with ruining the lives of some truckers.
2: Yeah, of course. But also, like, given how things have played out in Ottawa, he's not wrong. Like, I bet the people of Ottawa all hate truckers now.
1: Yeah, I think it's how you be
2: disruptive.
1: I, What is your sense about... The extent to which people reacted to the rail blockade because like i don't you don't hear it mentioned a lot about how negative it was except from like right-wing people you know what i mean
2: like explicitly far-right people like i imagine a few people who were, wanted to do like passenger rail were probably annoyed but otherwise like rail blockades are a lot less disruptive in that sense because there isn't as many people who are working on the right like you know it it's a train driver and conductor and whoever like probably less than like 5 people and then uh, that's it versus you know a highway full of whatever
1: like that has an immediate impact on business but like less immediately affects people whereas what's happening in Ottawa so for those who don't know the trucks are already in Ottawa and they've been honking for several days and just annoying the shit out of Ottawa citizens. So like that has like an an immediate effect on people, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah, but also like I think the cause matters too. That too. Because like, you know, I remember like at least one coworker who had been planning on taking a via rail during that first um like set of rail blockades. And uh, she was basically like, Yeah, like I'm sympathetic. I hope that I get a refund on my ticket though. (laughs) Like (laughs) Because she knew that she wasn't going to be able to go. And it was just kind of a like, you know, you accept it and you're just like, yeah, maybe the government shouldn't be dickheads. And then uh, we wouldn't be in this situation versus like this where it's like these people have made themselves out to be as shitty as possible to everybody that even like might be loosely sympathetic to them. So now that was the first day. So we're on to January 25th. And this
1: is this shocked me. Ezra is recording from home because the Rebel News Studio had an electrical fire.
2: We could have had it all.
1: Well, for one, a solidarity with that, uh, that lamp. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently it was one of their overhanging lights that, like, wasn't wired correctly or whatever, and, uh, filled their office with, uh, soot and smoke as it, like, caught fire.
2: Liberal sabotage.
1: It also makes me think of just, like, is there building up to code? (laughs) Like, I don't know too many places where, like, lights just randomly catch fire like this. And given their quasi-Ayn Randian, uh, you know, outlooks, libertarian deregulation philosophies, maybe we need a, a member of the government to make sure their buildings
2: up to code, you know? I mean, my assumption would be more that, like, they just... They ordered whatever was cheapest on Amazon, but, you know, still, like, serve the purpose or whatever. And it's Amazon, so... You're ordering something from a company that in three weeks will not exist anymore. So there won't be any sort of like you know, it's not like you can reach out and be like, Hey company, you really fucked up these wire wires, because that company's not gonna be there anymore. They already know. They knew. They knew what they were doing, they got the money, they're gone. Like so, you know, deregulation but on a larger scale than Rebel.
1: You know, did they hire a contractor under the table? They... <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, if, if your building's randomly catching fire, that I think that's worth, uh, you know, some sort of regulatory body taking a look. It's an office building. There's workers there, you know? This is a, a health and safety violation, you know?
2: Or not a violation, but a health and safety concern. We should demand that the building be condemned. You're yeah. right. <laughs> Only because I care so much about David
1: Menzies' well-being, <laughs> all right? This...
2: <laughs> Listen, he's not back yet. It's fine. He's safe.
1: Yeah. For those who don't know, David Menzies—we're on David Menzies' watch because he was assaulted by the RCMP, and we haven't heard of him since. So...
2: <laughs> yeah, and that was like more than a month ago now. Like
1: it was before Christmas, wasn't it? Or it was like yeah. yeah? Or it was between Christmas and New Year's, I think. Either way, uh, it's been a while. So now back to, uh, (laughs) now that we're over the fact that Rebel News' studio caught fire, Ezra is angry that the media won't cover that Tamara is a young Métis woman, and he says if she was protesting something approved, her indigeneity would be highlighted, but since it's the trucker convoy, they're ignoring it. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, like... Fuck off. Ezra then speculates that the government is purposefully doing the truck mandate to ruin the supply chain and increase inflation, though he doesn't explain why. And, like, the only thing I can think of is it has something to do with their weird conspiracy theory about the Great Reset, about how, like, this is Klaus Schwab trying to create inflation so he can make you uh, own nothing and be happy about it. (laughs) Something like that. Sure. Yeah. But that like but in like our worldview, where we don't believe in something called the Great Reset, or at least not in the way that they do, why why would the government want
2: to disrupt the supply chains and create inflation right now? Um, they want they want hyperinflation like Weimar Germany, um, just because um then like when everybody's getting paid with wheelbarrows full of money It'll be plastic money, and that comes from the oil fields. So, really, it's to help the Albertan economy in the long run by continuing to sell oil.
1: You, you are a way better conspiracy theorist than I will ever be. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot wrap my head around these things.
2: <laughs> I didn't have anything about <laughs> until, like, the wheelbarrow thing. <laughs> oh, my God. I was thinking maybe the gay agenda because all of the money's colorful. But like... <laughs> we
1: we need you know our money is colorful, but it needs to be more colorful. Personally, spice it up, you know. If we're gonna, if we're gonna have to be under the uh, the control of it,
2: the least it can do is be pretty. You remember that conspiracy theory that like if you scratch the maple leaf on the plastic bills, it would smell like maple when they like first came out. That was a thing. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah they should have made that real i really wish they had They'd scratch that and sniff
1: out. money dear lord yeah
2: that is you know what it's like every time it passes through the bank the bank has to like spray some more maple stuff on it it would be funny too if like they did that and that ended up having like covid casualties as people were still
1: sniffing their money during a global <laughs> pandemic
2: <laughs> you can give it a fresh bill out of it until you take your mask down give it a whiff to make sure it's genuine <laughs>
1: Oh, dear Lord. All right, so...
2: <laughs> Ezra moves on to discuss...
1: Uh, I guess, like, he wants to cover people who are, like, supportive of what's happening. And he ends up on this story of this police officer named Aaron Howard. And this is actually someone that we've come into contact with before, I think, on stream. But this is the first time I think we're talking about her on the podcast. So I'm going to play the clip, and then we will... Talk about her afterwards.
0: Now, obviously, she's being investigated and she will surely be suspended or fired. And I have to say on this one, I'm torn because I do not think police should be political. Even if, as in this case, I happen to agree with the politics, we don't want people who are wearing the armor or the uniform of the state who have a monopoly on violence saying which side of any political debate they're on. They have to be nonpartisan. They have to uphold the law no matter who wins the political debate. You don't want to be arrested by a liberal cop or a conservative cop. You just want to be arrested by a cop who's following the law, not a party platform. She's gonna be investigated and she'll probably be thrown away. But I can't help but realize and remember and notice that every police chief in Canada, indeed all around North America, was happy to go to Black Lives Matter protests in full uniform and take a knee for that radical, racist, really Marxist organization.
1: I don't recall police taking a knee in London during our protests. Uh, I'm sure it might have happened elsewhere in Canada, but that was largely an American phenomenon that that kind of stuff was happening. And uh, a lot of the protesters ended up turning on the police when, like, those same police officers who took a knee
2: would later be beating them with batons once, like, the night came, you know? I think in Toronto and Ottawa they did it, for sure. But also, like, they weren't wanted there. Yeah. Like, that was an attempt to seem good. Why should they do a thing that makes them look even worse than they already are? (laughs) (laughs) So, it's kind of
1: not explicit in this clip, but Erin Howard put out this video where she was promoting the trucker convoy. And is now being investigated for it. Because she did the sort of video while she was in uniform in her, like, squad car. Okay? Oh. So, the thing about Aaron Howard, though. I mean, he's talking about her as, like, police should not be political. And she's probably going to be investigated, lose her job, might seek penalties for this. Yet, we've covered her before because... Ezra, well, at least Rebel News has promoted her content in the past, specifically when she spoke at uh, Nathan Phillips Square in Toronto at a COVID, uh, anti-COVID lockdown uh, event where she was in favor of the protest there. Now, she wasn't wearing her uniform there, but she was standing next to someone flying an InfoWars flag. Oh, yes, I do remember. So it's weird for Ezra to have promoted her before to now turn on her once she's done a, I guess, more egregious thing, even though you could find the video on our YouTube channel. Like, I was pretty critical of the fact that a police officer would even stand up there and give quasi support for a a anti-COVID lockdown movement in the middle of a global pandemic whether she was in uniform or not. And while she's standing next, it was it was an InfoWars flag, and then next to that was a dude with a giant Jesus on a cross. True. So the, to fill it in, she works for a group, or not works, I guess she volunteers for a group that's called On Guard for Thee, which is a bunch of current police officers and ex-police officers that have problems with the COVID mandates and don't want to enforce them. And if she loses her job, I don't care. So then after this, Ezra talks to Andrew Lawton of True North, and they're talking basically about Aaron O'Toole's handling of both the mandate uh, against the truckers and about the protest. And they begin by playing an interview with Evan Solomon, who's on CTV News, and Evan is asking O'Toole some questions to clarify his position on the truck uh, mandate, but also the protest itself. And the only interesting takeaway here. Is that in the clip, Solomon points out this is an American policy. So he, he's pressuring like uh, O'Toole about like, "Are you supported?" And like, he didn't give an answer, and he's like, "Well, why would you support it when, like nothing can be done anyways because this is an American policy?" And he, he waffles on that too. But then it's like weird to me because Ezra has not been talking about uh. this at all so far and he doesn't for the rest of the week which is like this clip alone shows why this protest is useless
2: <laughs> yeah it's so dumb
1: <laughs> they even play a part of the interview as well where evan asks o'toole about lisa Lantzman, who's a conservative <laughs> mp who again uh, menzies got arrested at one of her rallies for asking her Uh, whether she got hired as or why whether she got picked as a candidate because she was a lesbian and uh, then one of uh, her staff members threw water in David Menzies face and then he got arrested (laughs) yeah Uh, so you know like that was deserved Uh, like I don't care whether she's a lesbian or not uh, all the power to her and Menzies is an asshole but like what happened here was she ended up tweeting out that there was supply chain issues in Canada And as an example, she posted a picture of an empty shelf, and it was later pointed out to her that this empty shelf was actually like a a promo shot of some kind from the United Kingdom.
2: (laughs) God. She's also like the former like Walmart exec or whatever, right? Yes. Yeah. They end the
1: piece with Andrew saying that if a single trucker, if a single trucker lifts a manhole cover, they will be all arrested for domestic terrorism.
2: <laughs> true. Yeah.
1: I feel like no no manhole cover was lifted, I don't think, but like other shitty things were happened. And uh I don't think they've the police have come down on them arresting them for domestic terrorism yet. So Well that's because they're still building the
2: camps to put them in. Oh so, true. Yeah. They just need they need to have a big enough like track for all the trucks to like drive on.
1: I can imagine too. At some point, they're gonna have to get all the trucks out of downtown Ottawa, and that's just gonna be like a tow truck
2: nightmare. <laughs> no, they're gonna have such a good time. Yeah. Listen, those are those are the real truckers heroes.
1: They're gonna have fun more. I think the nightmare is gonna be like anyone who's like planning the operation, because <laughs> it's gonna be like Tetris, trying to get everyone out of the the downtown core. So we're now on to the twenty sixth. And the 26th opens up with an incredible clip. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to play exactly how Ezra starts off the show on the 26th.
0: Hello, my friends. Today I take you through two nearly identical stories, one in CTV, one in CBC, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, both of which say we have to worry about violence from the convoy, talking to experts who can't really point to any, but they just have a feeling in their bones. And they're experts, unlike you. So listen to the experts. You get the point. Oh,
1: my God. So you can see the narrative building, right? Like, it first was like, yeah. they're going to call us racist. They're going to do this. And and now, again, it's like, now they're saying we're going to be violent and we're going to destroy things. And they say they have evidence. But I'll tell you what. Ezra never gets to any of the evidence that any of these activists have brought up to this point that showed that, you know, a lot of the groups that were uh, associating with the movement were saying some pretty... Uh, Yikesy things. And so Ezra doesn't address any of that. It's just to be like, oh, they're lying. They're just they're not telling the truth and none of it's real. Every single one of these truckers is peaceful. All the activists coming are peaceful. They're nice people. They're not racists, etc. Mocha, did you know Vienno? Mocha is a Muslim. No, I did not. And that means that these truckers are not Islamophobic, Vienna. <laughs> <laughs> Rebel sent a Muslim reporter to cover the events, so therefore there's no way, no way these protests could be Islamophobic. Oh my god. Which is like, I don't, I, I didn't, I almost didn't want to say this last week when I said it, which was like, I was like, of course they're sending Mocha as one of their only like brown correspondents to cover this rally, when I knew that that's why they were doing it, you know?
2: Yeah. No, like it's literally. It's just so obvious that it's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we have our token Mocha, like, token Mocha, and uh,
1: that sounds like Mocha's into dope. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that the, the uh, National Council of Canadian Muslims uh, called the convoy Islamophobic for some of the things that the speakers have said. I mean, yeah, Pat King has said some pretty yikesy things about Muslims, so obviously, yeah. and uh, but he. Ezra calls them a joke. And then uh, Ezra says none of the organizers have called for violence, which is technically true that none of the organizers did. I think Pat King said something vaguely about like shots will need to be fired or bullets will need to be fired but this was like prior to the convoy or something from what i i read maybe i yeah. got that wrong but either way like so like some of these people have said some unsavory things in the past but i guess like ezra can get off of a technicality here because no one like specifically said it about this convoy you know at least none of the organizers
2: yeah and they didn't let pat king be named as an organizer yeah. <laughs> so they're kind of like oh no it's just him not us
1: yeah Ezra then brags that he played some role in doxing Kurt Phillips, who's uh, does the anti-racist Canada Twitter feed, and uh, Kurt Phillips uh, has listened to the show before. We've we've talked to him a, a couple times to fact check some things. So uh, friend of, the, I guess I could say friend of the show, but like I'm me and Tony talked about it a bit in the interview. I don't think Ezra was or Rebel was at all involved in the dox of Kurt Phillips, but. Apparently, he wants to take quasi credit for it anyways. (laughs) Yeah, weird. And he's doing this all to say that somehow all these people are connected again to the liberal government because they've all taken money from like, so Kurt Phillips now works for anti-hate and anti-hate got a grant from the government. So therefore, the liberal government controls them.
2: That's exactly how it works.
1: Ezra also says, because I guess like some of these people like Kurt Phillips, uh, Tony, who we talked to, a bunch of activists pointed out that like people were saying some of these nefarious things. And Ezra's claim to this is that you could just uh, distrust that because all anti or all comments about violence and stuff like that are actually underground like Antifa members or like. (laughs) <laughs> spreading false information or spreading violent rhetoric purposefully to then point at it later and go look, almost like the idea of having feds. Like He also believes that the feds are going to be involved in this, but the idea is that Antifa and the feds are both pretending hate crimes in order to make it seem like the the truckers are going to
2: commit hate crimes. CSIS and the RCMP known Antifa it's, it's so stupid. <laughs> like, this is, yeah. this is
1: a line that he's been going on for, like, ever, which is the idea that all examples or almost all examples of Nazi rhetoric online is actually people like Richard Warman or Kurt Phillips who are trying to take down supposed Nazis online by, like... Pretending to be Nazis to get close to Nazis, so most of the Nazi rhetoric online is actually—they're all just antifa people trying to get to the one Nazi.
2: <laughs> and those, that one Nazi is the one that Ezra defended.
1: Well, I mean, it's funny.
2: Court or whatever.
1: <laughs> well, I don't—he didn't defend him in court, but he defended him in his book *Shakedown*. Oh yes. And defended him like as a person, being like, these are people just trying to smear normal. So it's like, even at the end of the day, the one Nazi that all the Antifa people are going after, pretending to be Nazis to go after, Ezra still believes that that person is not a Nazi. So at the end of the day, in Ezra's worldview, they're like almost is no such thing as a neo Nazi. Like they don't exist. Uh, so therefore, uh, why even worry a little bit about them? Because they're not around, they don't actually exist. <sighs> And the stuff about January 6th is funny because he doubles down again and says that no one was arrested for anything violent on January 6th, uh, and no one was charged with insurrection. The thing is, people have been arrested for, for violence, which is funny that he, he literally says uh, that they have
2: not been arrested for anything violent. Yeah, even Trump said that he might have to pardon them, so...
1: Yeah, well, because they're being uh, persecuted because they d- actually did nothing. I guess journalists started going through the fundraising... So the the $9 million now on the GoFundMe and finding that there was like these chunks of donation that was given to the fundraiser. So there was like some people were donating like $30,000 like in large chunks. And Mm -hmm. like that obviously raises some flags that like who just has $30,000 laying around that they can just give to a GoFundMe, especially a GoFundMe that's quasi attached to a political party. The Maverick Party, considering that Tamara Lich's name's on the fucking GoFundMe. So it's like, that looks like, you know, those are political contributions. But are they? Like So questions are being raised, you know? Yeah. And Ezra's only response to this is that... This is why Rebel does not disclose their funders because then people would go through their funding uh, support and all the people who fund them will be smeared and harassed. So that's why they have to be so secret
2: about it. Oh my God.
1: In line with the Mocha stuff. So Mocha comes on for the interview at the end of the segment and Ezra just flat out asks him if uh, the truckers are Islamophobic. (laughs) And the best part is it's such a long-winded question that it starts off with Ezra asking... If the truckers are Islamophobic, but then he goes on to talk for like another two minutes that by the end of it, he forgot he asked the question and Mocha never gets around to answering it. So,
2: oh, so we don't know. We don't know. It's unconfirmed. That's right. The one Muslim
1: that Ezra sent to to check the convoy did not confirm nor deny that the truckers were Islamophobic. So now we're on to the 27th and it's... It's similar uh, line. So uh, Ezra's worried about false flags. He thinks that RCMP agents are going to be disguised as truckers. (laughs) And that they're going to start violence. This is also when Trudeau got sick. So Trudeau is isolating. Or no, Trudeau wasn't sick, but he came into contact with someone who was sick. So therefore he said he was isolating. And uh, Ezra thinks that that means he's hiding from the convoy. Jody, I'm all truckered out this is the this is the final rundown it's just uh, it's the, this is it this is the <laughs> I know. this is the trucker the trucker final load if you will as <laughs> keeps uh mentioning that the truckers are ethnically diverse and that it's like all the footage from the trucker protest though it's just a sea of white people like i'm sure that it's like there's some diversity there it's just uh Probably not representative of the country at large.
2: Yeah. Well, and probably not representative of the trucking industry. Yeah.
1: And then Ezra says that our security state is useless against protecting us from real threats.
2: And according to Ezra, the real threat is Islamism. I don't know. It's very funny because, like, the other, like, time you were mentioning, like, oh, like, the RCMP is going to infiltrate and instigate violence, when the RCMP literally, or, like, the cops at least, literally did that for the G20 riots in... uh, 2010 or 11 or whatever and like you know they just want to project like the same level of effort being put into quashing left-wing movements and be like look the cops are doing it to us too when they never are because they just like they want to feel the persecution
1: and none of that like tony was saying like the cops were largely supportive yeah, which is the the other thing that like doesn't get covered often in this, which is that the truck, the cops and the truckers, the truckers that are in Ottawa are largely on the same sides, which is why like you had that Aaron Howard woman as well, like the the cops and, and the white nationalists are sadly uh, side by side on these issues usually, because usually they go hand in hand. Usually they are one and the same. <laughs> yes, which is usually well, not usually, which is why we are a cab on the <laughs> Imperial News podcast. Ezra then says there was never any uh, group of professionals that were arrested on January sixth, and part of me is just like that's a weird phrasing. I don't know what like counts as a group of profre- like a group of professionals, but like all the people that were arrested for uh, seditious conspiracy
2: are p- members of the Oath Keepers, like they have a name. Yeah, but Jody, <laughs> Jody, they weren't truckers though. True. Yeah. I. They weren't. Our great and special driving boys. <laughs> True. I, I missed that. Then he ends, the, the very last thing is uh,
1: he talks about Grant Bristow, which is not worth getting into, but I guess Grant Bristow was a CSIS agent who went undercover in the Nazi movement uh, in, the, I want to say, it was the 60s or 70s? And Ezra continuously uses this as the example of like how Nazi movements are somehow actually like uh held up or like moved into positions of power because of like government infiltration. And so I guess Bristow became like the second in command part of like the, the Nazi movement in Canada. Mm-hmm. And there's like some truth to that. And you can argue about like is it bad having a fed that close that how is it becoming entrapment all that fun stuff but it's like grant bristow was successful only because there was a neo-nazi movement and we could debate like whether his tactics were shitty whether grant bristow himself is shitty which a lot of people have like talked about but it's like ezra just uses this as another like wedge to say that there are no neo-nazis which is just the wrong takeaway there was a neo-nazi movement for bristow to uh enter into you know (laughs) yeah but again all this and as you put it it's just like he he knows that this happens to left-wing movements so he wants a bit of that agreement himself and none of that has happened he then ends on the 27th by playing a clip with the kids thanking truckers and uh which is (laughs) ironic Super cringy. I'm not going to play it here, but ironic given that he called uh, kids saying vaccines are great uh, in Quebec is the equivalent of uh, Hitler Youth last week. So worth noting that a couple kids were praising the truck convoy, and that's just a-okay for rebel news to propagandize off of. So
2: Those voice lines are so sad, though. Like listening to the kids be like, oh, thank you, truckers. I miss being able to leave my house ever. And it's like... Why aren't your parents letting you leave their house? (laughs) You can still go for walks and, like, do things. Why aren't they letting you do that?
1: It's like, I'm not allowed to breathe in a waiter's face without my mask on anymore.
2: And that's why I have no freedom. See, but kids don't have conceptions like that, right? No,
1: I mean, they're being forced. Well, the the thing is, is, like, their parents aren't taking them to restaurants because their parents are anti-mask, and then they can't go in the restaurant. You know what I mean? It's like... yeah. And so the kids think that it's, like, the big government's fault, you know? I mean, here's the thing. My kids haven't been in restaurants either, but my kids are also, even though they're young, are aware that there's a virus out there, you know? It's very easy to explain a virus to them, and then they also don't want to get sick. Yeah. So now we're on to the last day. The day before the 29th, when the convoy reaches Ottawa... But of course, Ezra wants to focus on how organic this movement is. You know, the movement that was receiving like 100,000, 30,000 donations on uh, GoFundMe that are anonymous, totally organic, not AstroTurf whatsoever.
2: No, it's real
1: grass, Jody. And then Ezra spends the rest of the episode just playing TikTok videos. (laughs) (laughs) the reason is because he's like you know tiktok that's where all the normal young people are those normal young people that have not been like corrupted by media and so he plays a couple of tiktoks where people are like yay truckers and somehow that's uh evidence that it's it's organic it's not grassroots look at look at the
2: look at my anecdotes you know look at my anecdotes <laughs> look at the people on trick truck <laughs> Praising the truckers. We love trucks. Free those trucks. He literally ends the show with a clip of Tamara Lich crying,
1: okay? And this is done to show that, see, they can't be violent. (laughs) Also, did did, did I mention that she's also Métis?
2: Everybody knows that those who are capable of tears are non-violent.
1: Oh, my God. He, he brought up her indigeneity the entire week. Like, the entire week. Every single day. Oh, yeah, and the organizer is indigenous. You hear that, leftists? You can't be against the trucker convoy if uh, an indigenous person is involved in it. And these are the same people that want to tell us that we engage in identity politics.
2: Yeah, that's what I was literally just thinking. Like,
1: And all we got this whole week was Mocha's a Muslim, Tamara is Métis, truckers are nonviolent. any violence is the police or Antifa, and this is a totally organic movement led by indigenous trucker women. This
2: whole week has just been... Uh... Ezra projecting himself onto the left wing, like, or maybe the opposite. I'm not sure how to quite phrase it, but, like, it's been Ezra being, like, see lefties or, like, you know, see they're doing it to us, too, type of things when they're not. Like, none of it has ever been, like, accurate or, yeah, just... Idiocy.
1: And on that note, we will transition. I'm here with Tony, who used to help with the Twitter account Yellow Vest Canada Exposed. And Tony happened to be on the ground during the, the what, what do we call it, Truck Belly truck-pocalypse?
3: <laughs> I call it the COVID Convoy, but, you know, everybody's got their own name.
1: Well, that one has the nice addition of some alliteration, so we'll, we'll go with COVID Convoy. <laughs> and the first thing that I have to ask you, since you, you were on the ground, how did, how did
3: your ears feel? <laughs> <laughs> they were ringing afterwards, that's for sure, listening to horns honking all day. I mean, I watched a good portion
1: of it from my home. And like, it's already the horns are already being filtered through the people who are filming it there, like through my heads. And then like I could adjust the volume here. But it was a like a nonstop just like stream
3: of honking. Like it was kind of ridiculous. It was very ridiculous, actually. <laughs> um, just a bunch of people with absolutely no message, just honking horns. I, <laughs> the best way I can describe it.
1: I guess the first thing that I, I, I well, a, after the ear part uh, that I want to get to is just like how, so you showed up to this thing. I, I guess walk us through that. Like, did you arrive when it had already sort of begun? Or what, like, at what stage was the uh, COVID convoy when you, when you arrived?
3: A bunch of them went uh, the day earlier. So they were up on Friday. Uh, I, I went downtown on the Saturday. We got there, I want to say around nine thirty, ten o'clock. Didn't really get too involved with it until around 10, 10.30. By the time I was walking down there, the streets were already pretty full. There were lots of people there.
1: I guess like uh, the large, it was hard to assess like crowd size in part because there was like what was happening right out in front of uh, Parliament Hill, I guess you would call it, uh, where there was like the speeches and stuff like this. But also there was, like, the trucks in the street. But, like, did you get a sense of, like, how roughly how many people were there? Or, like, what was your sense of that?
3: I'm not an expert on how to estimate crowd size. I would have guessed around 10,000. I've seen, I think the police estimate was around 8,000. Yeah, with with the trucks all over the streets, it's pretty hard to get an accurate number the crowd on the hill was was quite large and then down on the street there were a lots but they were they were around uh, around the surrounding streets or sorry the streets just south of wellington there were so they were all over the place so it was very hard to get a good estimate on the numbers did did you
1: happen to get close enough to the the stage to hear any of the the speeches that were happening
3: you could barely hear them because of the horn <laughs> I'm. I'm not. I'm like. Like when I say they had no message, they had no message. It was all, all our horns. Um, I. I stood there for a little bit, but I said, "What's the point? I can't hear these people anyway." Um, there were a few people with bull horns up on Parliament Hill, but again, you could barely make out what they were saying. Like it was, they, they just have nothing to say. <laughs> that's, that's all I could really boil it down to. They just, they have nothing. <laughs>
1: Well, other than a lot of like truck yes, that was the one thing I was hearing a lot when uh, watching their live feeds. But...
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was bored within an hour. <laughs> <laughs> there's, like, there's no speeches to really enjoy. Um, you know, all horn honking and like every time they'd honk their horns like, out. Know, like, like, is that really entertaining to you guys? <laughs> In in that respect, did you happen to like
1: bump into anyone? Like, I know there's like on Twitter people talking and stuff like this, but did you happen to like witness like people from Ottawa yelling at the convoys or like at least expressing discontent with what was happening?
3: I didn't personally see any of that. No, um, when I I know there was a lot of it afterwards. From what I uh, gather, I spoke with some people that uh, are in ottawa they say they're generally used to protests being around parliament so they just it's just kind of a normal thing if it's not something you care about you just avoid the area the norm there but now it's becoming so much more of a problem because they're just not leaving that um now people are starting to to show their displeasure with the uh events
1: I mean, it's one thing to have a protest. I mean, I guess like I, I feel like they've had concerts on like Parliament Hill and stuff like that, too, or at least like large stages with like bands playing that can get quite loud. But like that's one thing. Having like four days of sustained honking is <laughs> <laughs> like sli- the vibes are slightly different, you know, <laughs> just a little.
3: Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're talking like we're trying to compare events with permits to this, which is just trying to anger people. And it's working. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Ottawa is going to get pissed off with them at some point.
1: Just uh, in terms of, like, the strategy on their end of what this can accomplish is so, like, silly in the end, too. Like, we're, we're going to be talking about that. Uh, uh, we're, we're taping the interview first before we actually record the episode. But, like, this is... It, Largely a result of like an American policy. So there's (laughs) all they're doing is pissing off the people of Ottawa. This
3: really is not going to accomplish anything. Yeah, they didn't really uh, think this one through. So part of their strategy is to anger the people of Ottawa so badly that they're going to rise up with them and join them. And I'm 100% positive the exact opposite is going (laughs) to happen. nobody's going to join them against the government. they most of the people there are pretty, I think are getting sick of them.
1: Yeah. I almost envision that, uh, like I'm not encouraging this and I'm not promoting it, but like, I imagined that like they would like rebel and start like taking out the trucks.
3: <laughs> I'll encourage that, yeah. People are going to start. I, I have a feeling people are going to start organizing against these truckers because they've clearly had it. I mean, I don't know if you saw some of the news from today where um some older women were just blocking a truck because they were so fed up with them. Like just just a random act out of, you know, frustration with them. You know, clearly people aren't just going to side with them and say, "Yeah, let's go get the government." They're going to say, "No, you, get get out of here, you bunch <laughs> of ass. We're sick of you." Especially with all the news of you know, the horrible horrible things they're doing, all their terrible behavior. People aren't just going to join up with a bunch of people waving Confederate flags. Real. Did you? So, uh, did you see
1: beyond like, you know, the, uh, there was the Confederate flags and like there was that one person carrying the uh, swastika that like everyone uh, was sharing on social media? And it only seemed like it was the one person who kept on flying that flag. But like, what was the. I guess, did, did you see a lot of people from like recognizable groups or did they all kind of just blend in?
0: There
3: were a few, uh, a lot of them were blending in. Yeah. Um, one pr- group in particularly, and I'll, I'll name them uh, the Diaglon guys. I've tweeted about them before. Uh, we're very spooked. They, I think most of them stayed in their hotel room for the first day. They were so scared <laughs> of what was going to happen um, because the the, Media picked up on the, the one guy's uh, comment about hoping for January sixth, so they were they were totally spooked and stayed in their hotel the first day. So um, they haven't really been flying their flags, um, but there were there were other noticeable far right groups there. Um, I Saw a couple guys with uh, leather jackets with a, a neo Nazi metal band on the back. Got pictures of that. And, yeah, there were a few, definitely. Yeah, I
1: was surprised at the, the number of, when I was watching footage of, like, biker gangs from Quebec that had, like... I One of them, I found out, like, there's images of them giving, like, Nazi salutes and stuff like that, even though there was nothing, like... You know, it, it didn't look like they were wearing any, like, Nazi bands on their shirts or whatnot.
3: Yeah, there aren't too many uh, far-right groups nowadays that will just brandish a swastika. pretty pretty rare but they do they are out there and the group that big they probably would be incognito so you kind of know what to look for
1: yeah with the di- what is it diag diagaloon yeah pretty much um,
3: okay. no, <laughs> I... di- diagalon is the name it's kind of like a fictitious meme country that they've sort of created for themselves the, the, like like, uh, did,
1: did you ever hear of, like, Kekistan? Like, that kind of thing?
3: Yeah, and actually the, the guy that created it uh, mentioned that it's sort of like that. But he, you know, but he, it's honestly hard to report on that guy because he he lies a lot. <laughs> He'll go back on his words, so.
1: Like, just a, a small, like, uh, sentence explanation. Like, what what do they believe? Like, are they just, like, straight-up neo-Nazis or is it, like, a sovereign citizen type thing?
3: Mm, They're very anti-Semitic. I will say that. Um, They so they're a far-right group. They are starting to do some malicious sort of organizing. They have compared themselves to Patriot Front in the U.S., which is a a white nationalist group. Um, Yeah, that's about it with them. Sound like a lovely bunch. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Well, they and a lot of their online activity involves quote unquote comedy. Um, So they'll say some horrible stuff, but frame it as a joke. Um, And that's how they think they're getting away with it. But I mean, you can't compare yourselves to Patriot front and be like, yeah, we're just joking about the racism. Like, I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, like uh,
1: that's been a, a tried and true tactic of the right wing to use irony to like hide their, their views, even though it's, it, it doesn't hide it very well.
3: <laughs> it, it's very much in line with what the alt-right did. Yeah. Did
1: you happen to see any, uh, what was it, uh, Queen Ramona supporters when you were on the ground? Or were they uh, absent on the first day? Or at least from your
3: view. No, I saw one. I saw one of those uh, purple flags. with the, I don't even remember what it looks like. But I, I did see one of their flags. And people walking. So they're there.
1: When I was watching on the live, there was one, it was like a a banner. Like, it was a whole banner that they had hung on the fence that, up by, like, the parliament. Okay. And it had her face painted. And then it had... <laughs> it had their flag symbol <laughs> painted. And then a truck painted on the mural. <laughs> oh,
3: I hadn't seen that. That's amazing. Oh. I just...
1: It, it strikes me as, like, odd that, like, I don't feel like everyone there and maybe you have a better sense of this, but I don't feel like everyone there like knows the various groups or whatever. So it's like, you know, a banner like that can just hang on the wall. And I think most people there would probably be oblivious to it, even though they're a part of their own like right-wing groups here and there, you know?
3: Yeah, I mean, this, so this whole anti-vax movement is just that. Well, it's, I mean, it's kind of been called the COVID conspiracy movement by... I think anti-hate actually dubbed that term, and and it suits them. But like, you get a lot of people that are just not happy with the COVID restrictions, don't want to get vaccinated, grouping themselves in with these far-right groups and individuals, and either, either they don't know or scarily they don't care. Because I have had these conversations with people and you try to explain to them like you know this Kevin J Johnson guy for example is a racist and you try to tell them, like no you know you're you like this guy you're you're because of what he's saying about covid but like he has a really bad history same with all these other people but you try to explain it to them no oh, no no fine okay like this, uh, they just don't want to hear it so
1: or I find they do, like, a, they compartmentalize it, where they're like, okay, well, that might have been a racist thing that he has said, but he's definitely telling the truth when it comes to the COVID. Like, they find some way to, like, justify it to themselves. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I should fill in for my viewers. Like, the one... The reason I ask about the Queen Romana thing, too, is, like, she... I don't know if you know this. Like, is she still in jail right now? Because she was, she was uh, detained because her Telegram account was... Basically, uh, mandating to her followers to go kill people who were trying to vaccinate kids.
3: Yeah, she's 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 out free, and I think she's going to one of the rallies. I don't know if she's going to Ottawa or if she's going to another one, but she's trying to to, to get into one of these uh, convoys. So it's just very weird when you hear people about like
1: like the whole thing with Ezra this week, which is why it's nice to have you on. Is his whole thing was like. There's no way that this convoy is racist. Nobody's racist. The the media is going to smear them as racist when they're not. And it's going to be nonviolent. If there is violence, they're feds (laughs) or it's Antifa.
3: (laughs) Yeah. They they were coming up with the excuses before they even got there. And it's not just limited to Ezra. It was everybody that kept an eye on, like, well, if there's any violence, it was Antifa or the government. Like, they're just immediately dismissing the possibility that there could, you know, be violence at this thing. And there has been, I mean, it's been, you know, sporadic as it it wasn't like a major, you know, push against the police or anything like that. But like, you know, they were throwing rocks at at an ambulance and they raided the soup kitchen, which was disgusting, you know. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, the excuses started even before the, first wheel turned on the convoy
1: I think that's really interesting in terms of how this is going to be remembered or covered because like something like January 6th did as you say like it had like that a large display of violence that was very uh readily available and like all over the news kind of thing right but like the acts of violence here were like even the honking of the horns like 4 days straight of that like is a kind of violence you know it's not the equivalent of you know, bludgeoning a police officer to death with a flagpole at the Capitol. Uh, but it is still a kind of violence. And there there was also the violence at, like, the, the homeless shelter and the, like, demanding of food because they didn't prepare ahead or plan ahead.
3: Yeah. And that, that was day one. Day one, there were people screaming for food so badly that they went and did that. Like, that's unbelievable how ill-prepared these people were to, to do this. <laughs> you know, like, it's this is not an undertaking you take lightly. You've got to plan ahead. And they clearly did. not They thought, they, I, I seriously, they, a lot of them thought they were going to be welcomed in Ottawa with open arms by businesses and everything. But then they started, you know, demanding things their way. I'm going in no mask, screw you. And businesses are shutting down saying, nope, we'll just close and open up when you're gone. It was like
1: uh, America getting into Iraq, like they were going to be greeted as liberators. <laughs>
3: <laughs> bit of an oversight again. Yep.
1: <laughs> I I have a few questions. Like I don't know how uh, I I've, I've seen like your tweets about the funds. Uh, I don't know if you've been following that beat. I know they got like what are they up to like nine nine million now or something like this?
3: Yeah, I, I stopped following it around seven, but I, I've heard it's up to nine. Yeah.
1: Like, are they actually? Do you know or have seen anything that they're actually distributing it at all, or what? What is happening with it?
3: As far as I know, GoFundMe released one million of it to the to the uh, organizers. Um, I think, as far as fuel goes, I think GoFundMe maybe don't quote me on this, yeah. but I, I think GoFundMe is dealing directly with the, the fuel distributors and sending money to them so that they know what's going towards the fuel. Yeah, but, I mean they're they're having a hell of a time get like from what I you know been seeing online getting fuel and food to people on the ground there because Ottawa is shut down even after like Ontario opened up uh partially at least on Monday this week and nothing's opening in downtown Ottawa just because they can't deal with these people.
1: Yeah. I mean like you could see the road closures even on Google Maps still.
3: Yeah. I mean even the, the mall closed. They're like we'll, we'll just stay closed. Forget it. Like you're not worth dealing with. It's not
1: like that. Like how do you get your workers to come downtown when all the road like you know what I mean like. Trans- public yeah. transport can't get down there like no the other part of this that I want to ask you about so like there was the whole funds thing and I know Pat King is a figure that we've talked about on the show before and surprisingly enough Ezra mentioned him this week without naming him because uh I guess recently they even called out Pat King for like some other thing where he was di- uh he was claiming that he won some court case that like made proved that covid wasn't real or something <laughs> but apparently i guess so he's working with to or well he was working with this person named tamara lich who ha, like i guess people are saying she's missing in action like did, have you followed up on that at all because i think i got that from your tweets of uh pat king talking about tamara lich not being around but i like i don't like where is she what
3: like what's happening do you know nobody knows um she, she's she been very quiet on social media. Nobody's heard from her in a couple days. Apparently, she's going to be going live, I think, tonight or today at some point. But she's been, pretty, she's been really quiet lately. I Maybe just letting Pat deal with it. Or, it's
1: very weird because that's the... Uh, Ezra's whole big play is, like, the other part of it not being a racist convoy is the fact that it had this young Métis woman who was... Uh, Leading the convoy. And and now she's uh, nowhere to be found.
3: (laughs) Don't know what to tell you. I don't know where she is. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: I will say uh, the numbers dwindled. I guess like I don't know if you could attest to this. Like I think Saturday was the biggest day. Sunday was still like decently sized. But like Monday it was a steep drop off. Like the trucks were still there, but like it didn't look like there was that many people there at all. And then today, it's even worse.
3: That's what I've seen from, especially the the pictures from Parliament Hill. I mean, there's just nobody there now. I mean, you can't. That's people. Most of these people probably have jobs that they have to go to. Um, not not so much the I don't know what who the truckers are there, but um, probably the majority of the supporters that were there on Saturday and and again on Sunday. They have lives to go back to. They can't just stay in Ottawa indefinitely, right? Um, so that yeah, that's definitely drained their numbers. Um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be harder and harder for them to keep their support network because like getting food and fuel in and out is getting really cumbersome for them. If they knew how
1: to utilize that mil- like the nine million bucks appropriately and to like actually organize something, I mean. I, I can imagine, like, leftist organizations making a better go of it, except they would be squashed long before it got to this point
3: <laughs> anyway. Yeah, exactly. I, I shouldn't say I'm shocked. I, I, they, they went in there with no permits or anything with the intention of blocking those streets. Police are ticketing them, nothing. Like I I shouldn't be shocked at this point. It's not like I've been at this for three years. I'm like, they, they won't do it. They really did think, you know, with no permits and like all these streets being blocked, they're going to be ticketing these people like crazy, but they're not doing it. Imagine if it were, yeah, like you said, if it were a leftist organized, you know, event, it'd be squashed.
1: I wouldn't like to see the cops just come in there and like crack heads as, you know, as much as like, maybe like, uh, uh, deep down inside that might be satisfying. I realize, like, you know, I, I don't want to see that, uh, Because I I don't want it to see it happen to any protest. You know what I mean? But it's the fact of like you do contrast that with how they uh, deal with left wing protests. Like I even watching on Saturday night and Sunday night, like the truckers just having barbecues on the street. And I was like, if leftists ever did that, like they would just be like tear gassing and beating
3: with clubs. (laughs) Just like no barbecues. I mean, even even in contrast to the the first the first United re-roll, which I was on the ground for as well. Um, they had permits for that. Uh, it was a lot smaller, but they, they also didn't overstay their welcome. They were there for a day. I think they may have gone back the next day for a bit for a stop on Parliament Hill, and then they were gone. Like, You know, no, no big deal, but this is this is completely different. I mean, it's not even remotely the same thing. Um, some of the people are the same, others are not. Their main organizer wanted nothing to do with it the point being they 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 got a permit and stayed out for an apartment and it was no big deal. This I, I mean the police are doing nothing. Not they're just not doing anything. Did you see a police presence when you were down there? Yeah, they're there. Uh, they walked through the crowd a few times. But they're largely letting everything go, you know. So what do you, what do you think is going to happen
1: now that <laughs> It's, it's been four days now. What a vibe check. What's a,
3: <laughs> yeah, they're not changing the government's mind. I can tell you that nobody's listening to it. I mean, you can only listen to horn talking for so long. You're like, well, these, these people have no message. Um, so as far as what's going to happen, well, there's no point in, you know, trying to ask the police to do anything because they're clearly not going to. In fact, they seem to be quite supportive of what's happening. So, you know, push them out of your mind. Uh, I, I know I saw a petition circulating around, like again, you know, uh, a petition to tell the police to start doing their jobs and like, yeah, get real. I don't, I, I. And then somebody sent it to me. I, I just didn't have the heart to say that is not going to work. They're not going to listen. Um, I really think the people of Ottawa are just going to have to start pushing back against them. You know, and organizing. Possibly counter demonstrations, any like anything, just because the people of Ottawa are the ones suffering right now, and only the, there's only one direction the blame for that's going to go. It's not going to be towards Parliament. It's going to be towards the Trumpers.
1: I actually think that's the better result rather than getting the police involved. Is to have either citizens of Ottawa together do something, or for their thing to just whimper
3: out and for them to walk away, uh, cowardly. <laughs> As much yeah, I'm, it's so poorly organized. I I thought it'd be really funny to see them have to rely on like mutual mutual aid groups for uh food. <laughs> I thought what what a great image that would be. I even messaged a friend and said, Hey, this mutual aid group in Ottawa, do you think they go deliver food to these people? And I got thinking about it. I'm like, you know what, they raided the soup kitchen. Fuck those guys, they can start with death.
1: I think I even heard one of the people talking about at the protest saying they need mutual aid. So,
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I seriously did, you know, get in touch with somebody and said, Hey, maybe we should get some mutual aid. And then I thought about it. I was like, You know what? These people are assholes walking walk around with swastikas and Confederate flags and throwing <laughs> throwing rocks at ambulances. You know, let them, let them starve. Screw them. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: There's, there's only so much sympathy that you can give up for yeah, that.
3: I I was sympathetic to a point, but you just see their actions, you're like, I can't, I can't give I can't even help these people. Let them you know But I mean it's gonna be hard to get them to go anywhere because they've got so much money behind them and clearly they think they're either getting the cut of it or it'll sustain them for a while. They're not they're obviously not leaving for on their own, not without some encouragement. Well I guess only time will tell. (laughs) Yeah, that's I've been watching every day. In fact, uh, uh, Liz from Anti-Hate said, you know, after Saturday, she said, go take a break, Tony. You've been at it for a week watching these people. I was like, "Ah, I'd love to, but something's going on. I don't
1: think I can. Yeah, it's it's interesting because this week on the show, too, Ezra, of course, through Anti-Hate, well, threw shade at anti-hate again because, of course, uh, because anti-hate received a grant from the ca- Canadian government that, of course, that means that the Liberal uh, Party is paying them off for some shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and Kurt as well. I think uh, Ezra actually named uh, uh, named Kurt because he's still proud that he he doxed Kurt, so.
3: <laughs> well, he <was> proud all at <laughs> once. It wasn't him, so... <laughs>
1: Well, I don't, like, it, if that's the case, like, I, I, I didn't look into that because I, I didn't really care too much. But, like, he, I don't, maybe, was it Kian? Was it related to Rebel who doxxed him? Or, like, it's weird because yeah. he kind of does take credit for it.
3: Yeah, about five different fascists have taken credit for his yeah. <laughs> Rebel didn't do it. It wasn't Kian. It wasn't all these people that have taken credit for it. I can't say publicly what happened, but I know what it was. And I am committed to silence on that, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I, I, know, I know how his information got out there, and it, it wasn't the rebel. I can tell you that.
1: Fair. Fair enough. All right. So uh, thank you so much, Tony, for doing this. Uh, you know, I've enjoyed your, your Twitter coverage of this. I recommend everyone. Uh, what's, what's your at handle so people can follow what you're doing on Twitter?
3: At Tony YBCE.
1: There you go, at Tony YVCE. Uh, thank you so much, and I'm glad I'm glad that you're safe. Uh, I'm glad your ears have like largely healed,
3: and uh, you'll be all right. Thanks very much for having me on. I'll talk to you later.
2: Amnesty International came out with an interesting report, and I feel like we're probably going to talk about it on the podcast next week. So, might as well link it now for people to read. Um, just because I I cannot imagine that Ezra is not going to like mention this at least once. Um, but Amnesty International came out and was like, "Hey, Israel is practicing apartheid against Palestinians." Um, And I guess they've already partially walked it back because, of course, they have. They're a sad little liberal NGO. (laughs) I shouldn't say liberal or little. I mean, uh, they're
1: a large liberal NGO,
2: very large. Um, But, yeah, it's like we'll link the um, the link into Uh, the episode description and it has like a little bit of breaking down how Israel is practicing apartheid and uh it has some take action thing but that's probably bullshit just like go to the BDS movement and listen to their stuff and then they have a full report as well that will be like a crazy amount longer uh and more detailed and everything um but yeah, it's a basic, good little intro on why and how Israel is practicing apartheid. So read that.
1: So if you support and enjoy what you've heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on Patreon.com/slash Imperial News. If you want to stay informed about what we are doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. We have a Discord set up. We do Twitch streams every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find clips on our YouTube channel. I will also say that I I made some original content on the YouTube channel, so uh, if that suits you as well, I I made fun of Joe Rogan. So if you're interested, go check that out. You can also find all the links to these in the show notes of the episode. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatam.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening, and supply chains,
0: yeah, canceled. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.